0: Welcome to Changes in Latitudes, a Transgender Experience. A 40-something genderqueer person shares their observations, life stories, and the adventures of their journey through transition and beyond. And now, here's your host, the creator of it all charlie sabrina miller hey hello hello welcome welcome to another great episode of changes in latitudes a transgender experience i am the hostess but the most is charlie sabrina miller and now let's give it up for that band yeah all right. Whew. Yeah, that's Amanda R. and the Binary Band. And that band is entitled to our guest this afternoon, this evening, however, you're listening to us this episode. Amanda R. Thank you so much for being the guest on this episode. So that's our main topic, is my conversation with her. She is such a delightful, wonderful, lovely person. So we're not going to have our countdown list, which I did say last episode would be different this episode. Well, this is an interview, conversation, sort of sharing the microphone episode, and I don't put all those extras into those episodes because it just would make it oh so long. And that's part of the regular episode. So that's going to be back after the conversation. In a future episode, we won't have a secondary topic because I have this lovely conversation that I'm having with Amanda, so I'm not going to do anything about a secondary topic. And we're going to skip over listener feedback this episode just because. So, welcome, welcome, new listeners. What you just heard is what normally happens during an episode, got little different segments going on. So, check out one of the regular non conversation episodes. But I thank you for being here this episode. Thank you very much for joining us. Welcome back, long time listeners, binge listeners. Purge listeners, however you listen, welcome back. If you've heard one, you're now a long-time listener. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks for being here again. Now, before we get into the conversation, a brief note about last episode. Last episode was one of those weird episodes that when it was recorded, it was just a weird time. Uh, and and the topic kind of flew out of my head, and I didn't really know what to say. So it was one of those awkward episodes i'm saying that now because i I honestly i haven't had a chance to edit it but the recording aspect of it just was a little odd and funky and it just went around and around so if you've heard it and you're now listening to this i don't want to say i'm sorry but i want to say i i realized why it was all right all right there you go there you go You can find all past episodes of Changes in Latitudes podcast at blogspot.com. We've got links over there for iTunes and Stitcher Radio and facebook.com and amazon.com. Do your Amazon shopping through us, even on a mobile device. Click the link. It'll open up the app on your phone or tablet and then shop to your heart's delight. Join us over on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Changes in Latitudes Podcast. The email, Changes in Latitudes at gmail.com. The Twitter, C I L Podcast. Consider supporting the show through our Patreon page, Patreon.com slash Changes in Latitudes Podcast. This episode is brought to us by the lovely, wonderful patron who I've mentioned oh so many times before. She is just a sweetheart. And that's Becky B. Alright, housekeeping's out of the way, brush that stuff off, grab your drinks, grab your popcorn, get into your seats, or chug onto your bike, or sit down on the bus, or crank up the volume in your car, or however you're listening, even if you're listening on a computer desktop, and the airwaves are open, and you're sharing it with the world that way, thank you very much, however you're listening to the show, get ready, we're going to move right on into the main topic, my conversation with Amanda R., Now, Amanda joined me on the lovely morning of the 13th of March, and she was such a delight to talk to. She had messaged me uh, before, you know, as we were confirming up the time, you know, because we'd made the appointment weeks ago, and everything was hunky-dory. She just was a little nervous about it, you know, talking, and I'm like, don't worry about it. It's just you sharing your story. You've done it before if you've gone to any sort of group. You know, you don't have to get into any details you don't want to get into. You just talk and share experiences and she, okay, I could do that. And then she later admitted she's, you know, an overthinker, which, hey, you know, <laughs> a lot of us are some, some people on certain things, you know, you got to let go sometimes. And it's hard to let go because you are so thought provoked by whatever it may be. I get that. I get that way when I'm working on a piece of theater, you know, like when I'm tearing apart a script, uh, I understand that it's very, it's very passionate and sometimes that can, you know. Get in the way of things. Hey, that would have been something to talk about in last week's episode. Anyhow, this episode does have a couple hiccups. Uh, the old fashioned, the old fashioned. Listen to me. The old fashioned Skype hiccups. You remember back in the day when you couldn't connect on the internet because somebody picked up the phone? Yeah, no. It's <laughs> this is this is those uh, Skype hiccups that happen because of the internet connections and things like that. So that happens a couple times. I did my best to edit it out, but it's going to be there. I'm telling you up front. Uh, As I just mentioned, Amanda is such a lovely, sweet person. She was a delight to have on the show. Thank you so very, very much. Uh, Now, I forgot to mention that uh, this to her, and I feel kind of odd because I made it as a note, but my eyes skipped right over it on my notes. I didn't even think about it. But uh, Amanda and I are friends on Facebook, and and before that, I actually saw her interact on some of the uh, uh, trans groups over on Facebook. So so I actually already knew her before she, you know, friended me because of listening to the show. But uh, I wanted to say she looks very similar to one of my favorite actresses, Martha Plimpton. Uh, I mentioned her before. I think she gave a quote on one of the famous women things back that we were doing in previous episodes. I'll have to check my notes on that. But, uh, yeah, I noticed her, her picture was just very much like Martha Plimpton, and I totally spaced on telling her that, so I'm telling you now. <laughs> uh, just uh, I, I had this picture of her, and it was I, just the picture of Martha Plimpton. And I'll admit, when I was younger and she was, you know, Dating River Phoenix, and they were in the movies. Uh, they're in a couple of movies together. One of them I remember is in Running on Empty. Uh, I had a little crush on her, so it was it was a nice it was a nice uh, visual aid to communicate during this recording. Her story is a wonderful example of how the journey is very similar for people, but also very completely different for other people. And it's, it's a very unique story, and I am honored to have had her share it. So enough of me yammering, let's get into my conversation with the delightful Amanda R. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me this uh, lovely morning. I and share your story, share your journey, and let's just start off by uh, telling the listener uh, a little bit about yourself. How? Where did you? You know, where did you grow up? Uh, I mean, don't give away anything you don't want to give away. But you know, we all start off as a child with our parents, so let's just start there.
1: All right. Well, uh, I guess I could begin. You know. Well, I was first born in Elgin, Illinois, and I spent my younger childhood in Illinois until I moved to Wisconsin in my adolescence, and then I moved back to Illinois for my teenage years to be homeschooled. Uh, Then I moved back to Wisconsin for my uh, adulthood until finally I ended up where I am now in Minnesota.
0: That's a lot of moving for somebody under the age of 20.
1: Um, That's nothing compared to my mother. My mother probably moved like, I want to say, well, let's see. She first started moving out when she was 17, and she moved like once a year. And she's like in her 40s right now, almost once a year.
0: Oh, wow. I want to
2: say, yeah.
0: Yeah, I've I've crossed paths with a number of people like that where they just move all the time. And I personally, I hate moving. I hate packing and unpacking. I do. It's one of the worst things for me because I lose stuff. I misplace things. I hate it.
1: Well, see, I got lucky because when I moved to Illinois for my um, homeschooling, um, my grandmothers took me in, which was the t- around the time where my mother really started moving um, really frequently. So I missed out on that. So that, that, that's good. Yeah, that um, works
0: out as a plus.
1: Yes, but, but I, I basically probably lived in less than 10 places myself and definitely less than five as an adult, I want to say. I oh, think. Then,
0: so things slowed down as you got a little older. That's good. That's good. That's good. Every, well, well, everybody needs to establish roots somewhere.
1: Well, yeah, I got away from my mother. That helped a lot.
0: Well, if she was the one that was moving, <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course <laughs> it's going to help. Uh, so now, when did you... Realize or discover or uh, understand or you know fill in whatever word works for you that you were. I don't want to say transgender because that's absolutely a label. And from my experience and talking to people, usually we all kind of think about that we're different. So when did you realize that you were just different than the normal? We'll say, and I don't like using that word either, but you know what I mean.
1: I I prefer the word average because <laughs> okay. it's more mathematically. Um, and not factually um, illusion, like the word normal. Um, But anyways, to answer your question, the earliest memory that I can remember of not being a boy, to put it, um, would be, and this is my first geek card, I'm a big geek, is um, I grew up on Power Rangers. Okay. So um, I used to watch a lot of it. And I remember being really attached to the Pink Ranger, like I found myself drawn to her character and following her, and not so much caring about the other characters. So.
0: But how old were you then?
1: Um, I I don't really remember. It was like between six and eight.
2: Okay.
0: Okay.
1: So Power Rangers, I, I'm gonna age myself here. Power Rangers, uh, uh Mighty Morphin aired from ninety three to ninety five. So it was sometime in between that period, maybe ninety six. I don't remember. Okay. Um, but um, so for one Halloween, I wanted to go as the Pink Ranger. Um, because that was the one that I connected with, and my memory is fuzzy on it. But I think that I I backed out of it because of my perception of you know society's standards that a boy doesn't go as a Pink Ranger.
0: Yeah, we all get uh, hammered by society's standards. Yeah,
1: and I—I I think my dad played a big part of it. Like, I didn't want to get criticism from my dad, if I remember correctly.
0: I um, had that too. I had that exact same thing too.
1: So I decided to go as the Red Ranger, which I really have no connection with. Uh, nothing against Jason, who was the Red Ranger, um, but it. I had no interest in the Red Ranger. I didn't really care care about the Red Ranger until Andros in In Space um 98 I believe. Um I'm not an anyway, active. Power, I'm
0: sorry to interrupt. I'm not an active Power Ranger fan. I mean, obviously, I know of them, but I do have a little bit of tidbit history and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Trivia about myself with the Power Rangers, just to divert us for a moment. When sure. I when I first graduated uh, uh, high school and was on the road to college. Uh, there, I was working as an extra, background extra up in Los Angeles, and one of the calls I went on was a background person. I mean, you would never find me in the footage because I blended in with everybody. I was dressed the same as everybody. But I was an extra on one of the episodes of the Power Rangers. Uh, they were escaping some base, and we were at an old airport, Van Nuys Airport, up in Los Angeles, and it was about a six-hour day of running from one area to the other – and running back, and running to another area, and running back, and running, and running, and running, and stay away from this flame bar, and running, and then marching, and yeah. So there was. That's my only real connection with the Power Rangers, except for, oh, I can't think of his name. the The big, heavy, bad, uh, bad guy. Um, there was a skinny guy and a and a heavy set guy, and I'm drawing a blank on them. They were the uh, the ones that were always after the, the yeah, Power I, Rangers. I, I know who it- I can't think of their name. I went to school with the big guy.
1: Oh, uh, Bulk and Skull?
0: Bulk and Skull, yes. I went to school with Bulk for two, two and a half semesters. Lovely gentleman. Lovely, lovely gentleman. Yeah. So that's, so like I said, I don't follow the story of Power Rangers, but I've got some history with the Power Rangers.
1: No, no, no. See, see, when you were talking about a big guy and a skinny guy, my mind immediately went to... um, uh the, the 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 villains like bamboo and i forget the other ones they are they're blue and they're, they're in a costume but that's where my mind first went that's okay um, but to diverge us even further, you were talking about running as an extra so basically you were just doing your, reenacting your own doctor who episode
0: yeah yeah basically <laughs> exactly running around uh okay so now let's get back on track so so uh You uh, went as the Red Ranger to escape ridicule, but you didn't connect with it.
1: Correct. And because of that, I felt a sense that I should connect to a male ranger because that is what I was, quote unquote, supposed to do. So I remember a period about six months for a year trying to decide who I connect with until it wasn't. Until um, I connected with the Blue Ranger because of his intelligence, and I like to think that I'm somewhat intelligent. Um, but, but the Pink Ranger was always still a, a focus, but it, it was because the society conformed I conformed to the standard of oh, who's your favorite Ranger? The Blue Ranger, right? And, you know, I, I always I always liked the uh, Kimberly um, instead of Billy. But um, and then eventually, you know, I, I fit into. Um, that role, especially when it came to other things, but it was more um, underneath the surface, more subconscious, something that you really don't think about until you look back at it.
0: Um, right. Hindsight's 2020. Yes.
1: Yes. Um, so that would probably be my earliest memory. Um, my first memory, um, not my first memory, but it wasn't until 16 that I put a um, term with my identif- identification, that it wasn't until that age do research that I determined that I was transgender.
0: And you use um, that word. You found that particular word.
1: Um, I versus think all so. the other
0: ones that are out there: transvestite, crossdresser, transsexual. I mean, the the list is endless, almost.
1: Yes, yes. Um, but but up until that time, I had like thoughts, experiences, and actions that reflected my true female self. But it wasn't until I, you know, diverted into exploring and doing some research that I finally identified this is, you know, this is this is the label that, that, that I am. This is who I am.
0: And so you were 16. So that was basically right in the middle of high school, which is always oh, an awkward time for everyone.
1: I was homeschooled.
0: So. Oh, yes, you mentioned that. Yes, yes. Well, that must have so been very I, I, interesting because of the social dynamic.
1: Or the um, I, lack of. Oh yeah, yeah. I I didn't have much of a social life, but um, leading up to that, I remember being prepubescent, and when puberty happened, my mom basically gave, gave me a picture book and books just and told me just to read, and I had a uh, picture dictionary, um, you know, for younger you know teens or whatever, and I always remember looking at the the female section. So much that the binder actually wore itself out,
0: oh wow that's so, a that's a lot of reading
1: well it, it was a picture I remember looking at it and feeling feeling such a disconnect with my physical self. A part of me knew that what I was wasn't right, and there was a sense of you know this 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 is wrong, this is. I, I should be that, I shouldn't be this and a sense of depression. But at the time it was very subconscious. It, it was very underneath the surface, which at as I got older, um, it presented itself more consciously. Though eventually when I did research, um, I read so many books about female puberty, um, compared to the male aspect, um, because I felt like that was t- supposed to be the path that I was headed towards, but I didn't. And, and I was so upset by that, um, that I didn't even, I wasn't even paying attention to what my own body was going through. Um, to me, my puberty came and went. The only thing that really stuck out to me was my facial hair, um, which I'll get to in a second. Um, so that that was my uh, one of the things that I latched on to, um, my identity. I would watch through the, the reading, not the research,
0: so. so that's when you put that label onto yourself and said, "Yes, this is where I fit into this spectrum of the world, and what was your next step then did you seek uh did you tell family did you seek uh, therapy did you experiment in uh in dressing as the your preferred gender? What was your next step
1: oh there there were so many um
3: as soon as
2: I knew what it was, I told my
3: friend because my I had my mindset
1: on transitioning as soon as I was an adult. I don't remember all the specific timetables, but I remember dressing. I remember. I, you know, having, um, not only female clothes, but female, um, items like clothes, um, accessories and stuff like that. I well, even they go got hand to in hand. Point where I went out in public. Well, I did so sick. Huh? I said, oh, the accessories go
0: hand in hand. You, you have to have, uh, you know, jewelry and purse and shoes and watches. I understand.
2: <laughs>
1: right. But at, at that time, you know, I was, I was, um. Homeschooled, my mom wasn't really feminine, so I didn't have a lot of that exposure um,
3: to quote unquote the female um, adolescence or the film and quote unquote. Like that for me, it was just about expressing um, as much as I could with the clothes, with what I had. Uh, so my grandmother drove
1: me around. So basically, and then I would change and then go into the Walmart and then shop. Um, And I also did that at the library too. I also rode my bike places to do that.
0: So we had a little uh, bit of a um, Skype hiccup there. So just so I understand, okay. you, you would have your grandmother or take your bike to locations and then change your clothes. And I'm going to guess that you changed from male clothes to female clothes and then went on to your, the rest of your day shopping or just being out or whatever it was. Is that, is that what I got? Because like I said, we had yeah. a little Skype hiccup.
1: Yes, that, that's okay. Um, um, yes, that, that is correct.
0: All right. Yes, I can. Absolutely. It was All just like right. I said, a little Skype pickup. So so now that you uh, were at the location that you wanted to go to, whatever it was, the library, you said, or uh, shopping or something, what was your what would you do at that point? What was your next uh, step?
1: Um, I when well, when I went shopping, I basically went shopping for clothes and accessories um, like shaving cream, razors. I usually wore, like, longer pants to cover my um, legs because, you know, I was still living with my grandparents and I didn't want them to know. Um, Or I would wear sunglasses or, you know, try to cover myself because I was very self-conscious at that time. So
3: I, I would try to, you know, just be myself and just shop, basically
0: did any unwanted attention come your way did people stare did people look did people address you in a negative fashion what was that experience i mean in that first few steps out
1: um i didn't do much to socialize like the only time i remember socializing is when i went to the dressing room to change um to try on some clothes and i didn't have any problems um well that's lovely so yeah but it it was like maybe a handful of times that i did that I I did that for a while until my grandmother found my stash of clothes, and she, I remember coming out because she wanted to talk to me, and she was sitting in a chair and she had my bag with stuff open, and she was wondering what is all this stuff, and I I told her that I I felt like I should have been a girl, and that I I want to pursue. Um, becoming a girl, and she basically dismissed it. Um, she didn't take it as face value. So that, along with a bunch of other issues, um, like my relationship with my dad, thinking that maybe I wanted a family and not having a relationship and fear of rejection from my fa- family, basically shut that down for me. So I didn't progress much. I I think maybe I talked to a counselor. I don't exactly remember. Um. So I had all that to do and I wanted to go to college. So I, I you know, I was focusing on that or thinking I should go to college. And I was also, I was overwhelmed by what I would need to do back then, because back then it, it was a lot more guided than it is now
0: yes very much very much so
1: so I was overwhelmed I was overwhelmed at the cost of the um doing certain things and doing things on my own because at the time I didn't think I would have the support of my family and I'm like I was like how how am I going to do this with with you know how am I going to get a job and do this how am I going to go to college and a whole bunch of other things. So basically it went to the back of my mind.
0: I've heard that from a number of uh, trans people that uh, you just kind of put it onto the side burner and uh, focus on the task at hand, whatever that may be, college or work or you know, pursuing your, you, what you think should be your goals, you know, finding a, a partner and starting a family and all those, all, those, all those other things that we think need to happen and, taking and putting ourselves on, onto the side, yeah. Yeah. So how long did, how long did that, uh, focus, uh, or lack of focus on yourself happen?
1: Um, it, it wasn't uh, that long. I, I remember doing some things like I was trying to do some things within my budget range. It's like, okay, how can I get, um, the hormones that I need with the cost that I can, um, with, I think being a minor at the time or whatever with the job. So basically I, I eventually worked my way to herbs, um, which were a substitution at the time I could uh, at least try. And right. I I didn't do much to pursue it because I still had all these other issues to deal with.
0: And what issues were those?
1: Um, Like I said, my, my issue was my relationship with my dad.
0: Oh, okay, family. Yeah, that's a yeah. big one. That's a big one.
3: Well my mom and him got divorced and I, I lived with my dad for a while and
1: he lost custody of me. He gave up custody of me. And then shortly afterwards he went to prison. Oh. Yes. For crimes of a sexual nature. Oh, I'm sorry. So I couldn't see him until I was 18. Right. So I, I wanted to try to reconnect with my dad. So I had that to deal with. And I, I wanted to try to. I didn't want to put that issue on him because I didn't want him to reject me because he was my dad.
2: Right. Right. Of and
1: I had that. I had a good relationship with him when when, when I was younger. Um. Another really, another thing is like I said fear of rejection from my family, uh, religion was another thing. Um. Not being in a relationship. Thinking I wanted children and college and finding a job and stuff like that. So basically life.
0: Right, right, of course.
1: So so oops, I did weave in and out until eventually I decided
3: to go go in all the way.
0: And how did you make that step?
3: I'll get to that in a second. So,
1: like I said, I'm a late developer, so I experienced things later in life. I didn't experience my first intimate relationship until I was
3: 24. So during that time, I I did the herbs things. And I did that until I was 21, um,
1: off and on. And then I had a prospect of a relationship. I'm like, oh, this will make this will verify my identity. This will verify. You know, this will make me a man. Um so I I quit and I didn't really get back on. I dabbled a couple of times, and I didn't get and I didn't reattempt transitioning until like 4 years later. And that was always something that was in the back of my mind. It was always something I thought about. It was always something that I told to my partners, that I had this side of me, that my perception of it at the time was, if I could have been born female, 100%, quote, unquote, I would do so in a heartbeat. But because I wasn't, oh, I should just deal with
3: what I was given. And that totally undermined not only my relationships, But
1: it undermined my social life. It undermined my education. It undermined my living to a point where I held on to adolescence a lot longer than I should have. I never really
3: grew up. up. I never really matured Um, because I didn't accept who I was. I, I stumbled a little bit in life.
0: I think a lot of us uh, trans people experience that we we teeter totter back and forth to what we want, you know, being like transition and such, to what we feel are, we should do, you know, whatever our family says or or society or friends or our other our other side of our brain. I, I I had my own struggle with that as well, so I understand.
3: So, what was the
1: big, big deciding thing was after. So many failed relationships. I was talking to my ex at the time, who at the who at that point in time I couldn't I couldn't love, to put it bluntly. I, I was using I wasn't well I was using women for sex because it was a biological need, but I had no sense of wanting attachment. I I couldn't form attachment. I was so de- de- detached, and I was talking to uh my ex, and I was telling her that that I I would give anything to be, one, a female. And she was like, well, why don't you, why don't, well, what's stopping you? And
3: I, I thought about it for a while. And I thought about how I would do it if I could do it
1: and if I was ready. And I looked around and I looked at everything that I had problems with before. My religion went from a strict organized to more individualistic. So I'm like, okay, there's no problems with my faith. Um, my relationship with my dad, well, he's back in prison. He kind of failed me, to put it lightly, or to put it that way. And he ain't a part of my life, and he's been in prison for good. So that's not holding me back. Mm. Um, money. Well, I don't have the income. But I looked around, I looked at my video game collection of 1,700 uh, games and about 15 a dozen systems. Like, okay, I have resources. And then I looked at my Pokemon card collection.
3: Um, and I'm like, okay, okay,
1: I, I I have
3: things I can sacrifice if I need to. And then what was the other roadblock? and 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 I, and I'm like, okay well i I had a partner with a, a child, and
1: i I came to the conclusion that I couldn't really handle children not and who I was at the time, and relationships were nothing but failure because I put too much high expectations on them because I was trying to fill a hole, trying to fill be someone that I'm not, so everything was lining up. And everything fell into place, and I'm like, I can do this. So the first thing I did was order herbs, um, because that's what I knew. Um, I'm like, well, at least I can take a step until I can, until I know what to do to um, take the next step. It was a peace of mind. It was, it was like, maybe I'm not taking the, the first, most impactful step, but I'm doing something. Yeah, even if it's a placebo effect, will give me some sort of peace of mind. Like I, I'm headed this way,
2: right, right. So right. A-
1: after that, it was a month later that I first took my first step, big step, and that was not only seeing my first doctor but starting hormones. So that that was pretty, pretty nice.
0: And uh, where? How old were you, and where were you in your life when that started?
1: Um, that was January of last year.
0: Oh, my. Wow. Okay. So very recent. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. And how has that first year been for you?
3: It went pretty good. Um, I didn't have much problems with people and family. I was kind
1: of surprised by that. Everything moved quickly kind of for me. Um, It was a couple weeks later after I started hormones that I got my ears pierced. It was a month later that I, I told my sister it was a, it was in March when I told my family it was um March when I started going to a support group. It was March when I was dressing part time it, it was in april april twenty fifth that I
3: started living full time. It was May first that I came out on Facebook. It was June June of July fifteenth. I'll, I'll look it up. That I had my name legally
1: changed.
0: Marvelous. Yeah, that, so, that is a pretty rapid uh, uh, process.
1: Yes, I, I I consider myself an overachiever, and I consider myself when my mind is set through something, I I
3: am. Um, I focus in on it. That 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 was something I did uh, during my Pokemon quote unquote career.
2: So,
0: Well, you always have to keep that goal in focus.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, it it was June 15th, so not even um, a couple months since being uh, full-time and coming out and telling people, I
3: already had my name legally changed. Wonderful. So, I thought that was quite a thing, so... Everything
1: went quick, and like I said, I didn't have much problems. Um, everything went smoothly. Um, no problem for the job because for my job, I'm basically a vendor, so I don't have to deal with coworkers. The only people I really have to deal with is my supervisor, and I don't see them.
0: Well, that makes it nice. You don't have to deal with that face-to-face communication, which can cause so much anxiety.
1: Oh, yeah. Um. And I, I don't, and I, and I think it was July. It was, it wasn't that long where I started using the correct bathroom.
3: So, and then towards the end of my first year, I kind of got complacent, um,
1: because it was like I there, there wasn't much I could do, um, because it was the, uh, my first year. Um, it, it, so not only did I get complacent, but a couple of things happened to me that I didn't see coming. Uh, The the first thing was, is my sexual orientation was becoming more fluid. And my mind was more open to the possibilities of being with different people than who I would have been with before starting. So it was in, it was in, I don't remember, it was in October, maybe. I, I went on my first date with a guy. So that was pretty. That was pretty awesome. I, I gotta say.
0: And that went well. I'm guessing.
1: Um, the day itself was really nice. Uh, he was a gentleman. Gentleman. He held the door open. He paid. He was very nice, but there was no follow up. Hmm. So. No, well,
2: that's gonna happen.
1: And, and the second thing that happened is is I I. I want to call it I fell in love, which was something I didn't experience for a year or two up until that point, so I had to deal with that emotion, and it it didn't work out. I got rejected, mm. but it it was nice feeling that
0: it a I wonderful feeling, yeah,
1: because I didn't feel that in so long i I thought I couldn't do that again,
0: right. Now, out of my own curiosity, was it with the same gentleman you went on a date with, or was it somebody completely different?
1: Uh, No, it It was somebody else.
0: Okay, okay, so there was two separate things, right, okay. And that didn't uh, pan out?
1: No, well, one of the big things was uh, distance.
0: Oh, well, yeah, distance, distance will do that, distance will do that. Speaking of distance, I mean, now it's we're a lot closer because of the internet and because of things like facebook and other social networking uh so it's a, so so long distance relationships have taken a total change because in the past you only had you know the occasional phone call because you had to worry about long distance charges uh letters but those took time to write and read and then send through the mail And now we've got things like Skype and FaceTime, where you could conceivably talk to the person multiple times a day, face to face, and they could be on the other side of the world. Yes. But the the, the through line of long distance relationships is there's still that distance to deal with where you're not in immediate proximity. You don't have the... Uh, uh physical closeness whether it just be a hug or an embrace mm-hmm. or you know take it all the way to physical intimacy i mean that distance part is still there no matter how close and i'm using the word in quotes close we are with technology it's right. a, it's a fascinating fascinating study fascinating thing to to look at how in just my life how long distance relationships have changed but uh, we digress i'm sorry please continue
1: well i I know myself I couldn't really handle long distance relationship. I had a couple, and it
3: it' just i just couldn't handle it um so after that, I was talking to my
1: mother on a conversation, and I was talking about what I usually talk about my transition, and basically the conversation basically got on to my dysphoria. And my during my complacency, I was so, I always had something to focus on. It was always the next step. Um, name change, coming out, clothes, group, um, queer prom, pride, all these types of things that when I actually fell into place, a place of complacency, I remembered
3: my dysphoria especially when it came to my genitals. Um, So I was talking
1: to her, and I I realized that, you know, I I have to take care of it, or or I had to look into or start the process of it. And she said that she was going to go look it up, and I'm like, I'm going to go look it up. And I got off the phone with her, and I looked it up, and I looked at everything, and it became a possibility for me. I looked at all the requirements, and I'm like, I'm almost a year in. Right. And so so I, I got all this set for me. So that set me on to the path of starting that. And that has been quite a journey, let let me
3: say. I'll bet. I'll bet. T- uh, tell us about that. Well, as soon as I started out on
1: that path, i the first thing I did was starting started selling off things that I was holding off on. Um, I started selling all my Nintendo items, which retain their value compared to other stuff. Yes, they do. So as
0: a non-gamer person, even I know that. And now, a word from our sponsor. When you need a professional who specializes in writing, photography, or web design, contact Tom Slayton. At Tom's website, tomslayton.com, you'll find brilliant WordPress themes, discounts and links for fantastic online services, and sage wisdom from the master himself, Tom Slayton. TomSlayton.com even features a wonderful, eclectic collection of photographs seldom seen elsewhere. Visit TomSlayton.com. That's T-O-M-S-L-A-T-I-N.com. Tom Slayton. TomSlayton.com. As I've mentioned oh so many times in the past, Tom is a delightful sponsor for the show. Thank you so much, Tom. It means so very much to me. This week, I'm looking at TomSlayton.com forward slash back on track. It was, uh, I went to TomSlayton.com, as I've said before on the podcast. It was a little rest break on the internet. And this was one of the first things that caught my eye on his homepage. I went, oh, what is this? So I clicked on it, and it's a photo. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous black-and-white photo of a railroad train track. Uh, it could be early morning, late afternoon. You know, the dew is sort of coming in. The mist is coming in. Uh, it depends on which part of the country it's at. The, the trees are all bare bark. It is just a beautiful composition of the tri-grid area that so many people see and talk about in photography. It is a wonderful, wonderful capture of nature. Now here's the reason I was drawn to it when I was a kid. And I mean like, you know, grade school or middle school, uh, not high school, so not, uh, high school, a little bit, but not much. Uh, the things that I, that I would doodle, uh, cause I'm not much of a drawer. My drawers look, looks, looks like, you know, is it's very undeveloped, I will say. And, uh, but the things I used to like to draw were perspective drawing, where the road would, you know, disappear into the into the future, into the distance, and the mountains would overcome it, and whatever it would be. And this photo reminds me of stuff I used to doodle, just because I'd grab a pencil and kind of just, you know, and a ruler and sketch something. So this was very reminiscent of a picture I used to kind of just sketch out on a piece of paper. So it was a really cool thing. So if you want to check it out, go to TomSlayton.com dot com forward slash back on track. Tom, thank you again for everything that you do. And now back to my conversation with Amanda R.
1: Um, I started selling all my Nintendo items, which retain their value compared to other stuff. Yes, they do. So, As a
0: non-gamer person, even I know that.
1: It was a sacrifice because the, a lot of that stuff has history. A lot of that stuff has memories. They have attachments.
0: Yes, yes, they do. Uh, on a, let's on a side note tangent here. I had a Sega Dreamcast uh, years ago, of course. And in 2007, I suffered an apartment fire. And i uh-huh. lost I lost everything to go with that Sega Dreamcast. It happened to be at the heart of the of the fire uh by the t v uh entertainment center so I completely ah. understand you when you speak of memories and emotional attachment and things. I was heartbroken because it's not like I could go replace it because it was a Sega Dreamcast, and those went out of style <laughs> i think a year and change before the fire happened so I completely completely feel your pain in uh, losing or or dealing with that uh loss of emotional connection and memories with uh with something that 's just a game to some people so i and i as a ga- as a non gamer i 'm not a big game person, but I can completely understand that, so I feel your heartache there but you needed it to to uh, you need the the finance part to to move on with the rest of your journey.
1: Yes, and, and I would like to um, divert from your um, diversion. And Please I would do. Like to, and, and I would like to say that um, I used to live in an apartment complex with a storage unit in the basement. Well, my storage unit in the basement got broken into.
2: Mm.
1: And, and that my storage containers were my systems. No cords because I didn't have the cords because when I obtained them, they didn't have the cords. Um, Of the items that were stolen was an NES, a Super Nintendo, three Nintendo 64s, including a light green one. Oh, wow. A Sega Game Gear, which didn't quite work, and my first red Game Boy, which I got, like, I think in 93, with the games Quick and F1 Racing. Hmm. So that was a personal item that I had forever, so I can... I can really relate to that. Oh, yes. Um, Especially, you know, not having a choice in that.
2: Right, yeah, yeah.
1: So getting back to what I was saying, um, so I started selling off all that, and I started selling off um, extras for my Pokemon cards. Um, Another diver is, is I was a Pokemon League organizer for four years. And I've been in Pokemon for like five years competitively, roughly. That's a moderate success and during that time, I decided to become a collector because I get really obsessive about things um so if I get into something, I start collecting It's like, oh, I'm not just collecting the cards, I'm collecting coins dice um So I was putting off selling the card collection because I put so much time and money into collecting. The, the cards, like five years plus, uh, I had a decent collection. I had forty-three of, I think, at the time, sixty-three of the sets complete. I had promo set complete. I had a couple hundred-dollar cards, um, which is quite valuable in Pokemon. Um, so I, 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 I wasn't focusing on that. I was worrying about selling all the Nintendo stuff, and they sold pretty quickly. The, the video games sold pretty quickly. Um, so that's how I started financing
3: and then basically I started looking into the medical aspect of it more more uh, specifically the financial slash insurance part of it
1: and I lived in Wisconsin and let me tell you Wisconsin is right down it's right in the area of bottom of the veil when it comes to medical support
2: mm mm-hmm.
1: Um to go go back into my earlier in my journey, another reason why my transition was so smooth is I did everything out of the system, so I didn't go to a therapist and they didn't recommend me. I just went to a doctor and I had a therapist I was seeing at the time. I did everything independently of each other I wasn't in I wasn't going down a set path. I did everything on my own. And not only did I do that on my own, I was paying for everything for my own. I was paying for my hormones my own. I was seeing my doctor. The only thing that I wasn't paying for was my therapist. And that was because my um, my insurance was covering it. And that was another thing that helped me decide to transition is I was seeing a therapist. So I'm like, well, I don't have to worry about paying for a therapist. So I,
3: I looked into insurances. And options. And I got very, um, it was very frustrating because
1: there was nothing outside of um, getting hired and working for a company that had insurance that would cover it. There was like no option, no private insurance that I found at least.
2: Mm.
3: And I was very it was
1: very frustrating. It was very emotionally devastated, devastated. That's the word I was looking for. And I'm like, okay, well, I need to make a big, I need to make more sacrifices. And that's where I came to the conclusion that I would have to move.
2: Mm.
1: Um. And I looked at my options. I, I looked at Illinois, where some of my family is, and I looked at Minnesota, where my social network is at least when it comes to the trans community. And I tried looking for a place to live. Um, I'm like, if I moved down to Illinois, I could live with my grandparents or my mother, but my grandparents are getting up in age and they just moved to a smaller place. And my mother is so freaking unreliable. She's surprise, surprise, She's going to move again within the next six months.
0: (laughs) Well, at least she's consistent.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just, and I, my sister, who was my biggest ally at the time, brought up, she's like, you, you, you gotta move to Minnesota. You know, don't, don't worry about me. You, you, you gotta move to Minnesota. And I'm like, yeah, I know, you know, because I was thinking about it at the time.
3: So I started looking at apartments, which was very, um, hard because At the time, I was living
1: on assistance um, because I am deaf in my left ear and partly in my right. So I was living um, in assisted housing because of my disability and my low low income. So at the time, I was paying a little over $100 uh, for my current rent that I was living at at the time. So needless to say, when I was looking at apartments, um, because I had to look for apartments that weren't covered by assistance because uh like ninety five percent ninety eight of the waiting lists are closed. I think there's only like five open and like like a couple in the city area okay so i I was so you can imagine looking at places that were like seven times the rent you were paying, and see like how am I gonna make this work, especially when at the time. I was working a job I was making less than 10000 uh, a month. And I'm like, I, I figured it out all in my head. I'm like, well, I'm a vendor. So I drive for my job so I can still keep my job. And if everything works financially that way, along with selling my items, I'll be able to make things. I'll be able to make ends meet at least for a year. Um. Until I need to look into other financial options. So I took a week looking for apartments and within like two weeks I had a place uh lined up.
0: That's wonderful.
1: And, yes. So I that was in that that was in December that I started that process.
0: That's just a few months ago.
1: Yes. Yes, wow. that is correct.
0: Wow, yes. okay. Yeah, you, you didn't you didn't uh, hold anything back when you said it's a, been a quick journey, quick process.
1: Um, I'm very determined.
0: Yes, I can sense that. I can absolutely sense that, and that's that's that's, I think, I think that's one of the things that sets trans people aside from uh, cis people. In that, when there is a goal in mind, we do everything within our power to reach that goal that I've noticed that as a common thread through, well, myself and then uh, people I've spoken to and people I've crossed paths with. It's very admirable.
1: Yeah. So I, so I was moved into my place by January 6th. So I, I waited no time. I, I waited no time. I was like, I gotta, you know, find a place. Um, And the place that I did, I um, moved to, I had to downsize. So I I went from a wet a one bedroom apartment to an efficiency apartment. So it, it was like I was like you know my point was getting over here as soon as I can. And you did um, that, yes, because I wanted to start insurance as soon as I could.
0: Right, of course.
3: So and I got insurance. I I started my insurance in February.
2: So. And so
0: now, your next step after getting insurance was—well,
1: I was juggling a lot of things. Um, in December, November, I already started seeing um, gender specialist um, to start the process of therapy for letters. Um, in December, I started electrolysis. So I was—I was already
3: working on everything. So, my next step after that was to um, take care of my health. Um, I
1: have FSGS, which is a kidney disease. Oh. Yes.
0: I'm, so, not f- I'm not familiar with it, but just just the fact that you say kidney disease so it's just, I, sounds very painful.
1: Actually, I, I've been pretty lucky. Um, I, I'm going to try pronouncing it, but I'm going to butcher, butcher it. But it's like locus. Oh, I already messed up, flocus or whatever, uh, FSGS. That's um, fine. Ba- yes. So basically what happens is, is I leak excess protein out of my urine. And over time, it's left untreated that can damage my kidneys. Well, yeah. Leading to kidney failure. And then to um, sidetrack, um, that's another reason that put off my transition. I was diagnosed in 2007. Um, So as soon as I turned 18, I had this bomb dropped on me. Mm. And I felt like my life was taken away from me. Like, all hope that I had was now on a clock. And I'm like, what's the point of transitioning or being myself when... My kidneys could fail at any time.
2: Right, right.
1: Um. So not only did I have to deal with that, but shortly after diagnosis, I was put on a, a I was put on prednisone. Oh. And not only was I put on prednisone, I was put on a hundred milligrams of prednisone. That's a lot of prednisone.
0: Yeah, well, anything at the 100-milligram level that is like that is going to be a, a drastic change to the body.
1: Yes, and I, I was on that for a couple months, and then I got dropped to 80. Um, and I was like that for like a year. And long story short, it devastated my body. Uh, at the time, I rolled up into like 240 pounds, I think, was my highest. Wow. I had stretch. I have stretch marks all over my body, stomach, inner thigh, armpit, arms, uh, stomach, leg, back. A totally devastating my self esteem and confidence because I am making me self conscious. So I had that on top of it too. Mm. So I so I I was that I was treated for that for a couple of years and then I was off treatment for three years. And then when I went, when after I had to, I got out of relationship with my ex, I'm like, I better start treatment again because I don't want um, I don't want anything to happen to my kidneys. Um, and but I didn't want to go back on prednisone. Luckily there was a kind of option. So I I I've been treated for that, and it was recommended before I moved that I see uh, um. Not a a specialist because they're all specialists, but somebody more knowledgeable to determine my next step. And I'm like, for me, working towards the surgery was my primary focus um, because the dysphoria that I deal with and the depression and the, how do I put it, the, the constraints that is put on my life is more pressing for me than my kidneys because. I am being treated. It's just, do I stay on the medication? Do I go off of it? Do I increase the dosage? That is what needs to be determined. So after I started the process of everything, and I decided that that was going to be my next step, is to try to schedule that so I can take care of my kidneys so I don't have to worry about that comes the time of the possible surgery.
0: Right, of course, of course.
1: So I was put off by that for a while because the, the, um, the nearest place was, uh, the place is in Rochester, which is like two hours away. And I only have like one day during a week that I'm free. And I wanted to do like back-to-back days, which I couldn't do. I couldn't, I can't afford taking time off of work.
0: And not many people so can. So that
1: was my next, step. correct. Um, so that was my next step.
3: Along with saving so during my like the first three months, I was plowing through my um
1: selling my cards um my collection my pride, my my, my sense of pride i sold off my trophies i sold off um playmats i sold off more video game stuff I sold so much that the attachment that I had for it. Doesn't mean anything because the purpose that they're going for means so much more to me. So I was working through that, and by the time February was done, I already met my uh, pretty much my goal, um, which I'll get into uh, later down the line. But I, I was focusing on that and doing that. So it was, yes.
0: Wow. So so within a matter of a couple months, you met your goal. That's, that's remarkable.
1: And then my next step was to schedule a consultation, which I was waiting for, uh, which I wanted to do as soon as I met my year requirement of being full-time a year, which is in May. So I started the process of that. And I found out what my deductible was going to be. And this was before I met my goal. And after I found out what my um, other network deductible was going to be, I'm like, I, I'm i going to hit that soon.
0: That must have been a great feeling knowing that it's that much closer to being, to, to happening.
1: Yes. At, at least a consultation part.
0: Right, right, right. Well, one step at a time.
1: Yes, indeed. Um, so I that that was very um that was very wonderful, and then when I once I hit that, you know I I I already have the date set for my consultation, and that, that can't come soon enough. But um, everything else, you know, I, I have my therapist set up. I have the that's working. I have um, my primary doctor set. I had to set that up. I have a point with my kidneys to make sure that is set up, so basically um what I'm waiting on is the insurance approval after the consultation and to be medically cleared
3: um everything else uh I don't really have to worry about for the
2: most part
0: that's great, that's great um you mentioned uh, a, a, you mentioned before about extra, uh, electrolysis. Uh, you want to elaborate on that?
1: Ah, uh, yes. Uh, for gender confirmation surgery, male to female, it is preferred by most surgeons if they're going to use the penile inversion technique that hair removal on the genital area be removed more specifically if i may um the area that would eventually be turned inward and used as material for the process
0: right i've read up on 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 it so i'm i'm aware but yeah you have to uh, make sure that that area is hairless or else there could be complications down the road
1: correct and what i have Learned is is there are some surgeons where it doesn't require hair removal, where they sculpt the skin if they're using the technique. Um, but I've heard that that can wreck some of the nerves.
0: Yes, I okay. Yes, I have heard about that as well. That uh, it uh, it's well they've come leaps and bounds in the process of uh, uh, confirmation surgery. That uh, now the biggest concern is is nerve damage, where in the past it was almost almost expected that there would be so so it's leaps and bounds from you know 10 20 years ago but uh yeah no the uh the one where they uh uh essentially don't worry about any hair sounds sounds like it it leaves itself open to many more complications
1: possibly possibly it's a trade-off it's like you do you want to get it right away Or do you want want to take your time and get everything situated so you can have more feeling? It's like, if if you're not going to be, if I may, sexually active, then maybe the feeling isn't necessary. But if you would like to experience pleasure, you want those nerves working.
0: Right, of course, of course.
1: And some people, if if, yes, some people want the experience and other people, the display is so strong that they're okay with the nerve damage.
0: Right, right, and I think that's true for a lot of things in life. You can you can spend a lot of money and have a high quality item, whatever it may be, you know, a game system or a stereo or a car, but it takes time to get that money. Or you could have something that's maybe not as nice, not cost as much, and have it now, but the quality is not going to be the best. Correct. So, so that was uh, electrolysis, uh, and I'm, I'm assuming electrolysis for your face as well.
1: Um. Yeah. I. Oh. Yeah. I started that in March. So, um, so that was another thing that I was started On um, so.
0: Did you ever use a, a laser hair removal or just electrolysis?
1: Um. Unfortunately, my facial hair doesn't lend itself to the laser process.
0: Oh. So you have very light, very fair hair.
1: Something like that. Yes.
0: Yeah, I uh, I remember going through that uh oh checklist we'll say when I looked into laser hair removal and I've got a number of fair hairs and grey hairs on my face and I knew those right from the beginning wouldn't be uh wouldn't be affected. Sadly.
3: Right. But
1: um I, there there's two places I wanna go. Um the first one is is what I have learned thus far in my process of transition is, for me, my definition of transition, especially when it refers to myself, is transition. transitioning requires sacrifice um, to a level that I don't think that is required in other areas, if that makes sense.
0: Uh, well, what other areas are you uh, referring to? Because yes, transition is a sacrifice, of course, but it's also a gain.
1: Yes, um, I, I'll I'll, get, I'll break that down in a while in a, in a second. Um, like like if you are working towards a, a job promotion, you maybe you might have to make sacrifices to uh, get that promotion, such as sacrificing your relationship time with your family, um, hobbies, and other things. And not that those sacrifices don't hurt, not that they aren't stressful, but when it comes to transitioning, the sacrifices that a person may have to make or do make, especially in my case, is to a level that I can't compare it it to anything else, partly because I wasn't myself, so I never pursued anything. Uh, But in my observation, what I had to sacrifice it's just uh, amazing. And then when I see others who have sacrificed more, it's just astounding. Um, Especially, well, you know, what I do, what we do to be ourselves, especially the, the more binary or the more, the, the farther we go into our transition, if that makes any sense.
0: Yes, yes, of course it does. Of course it does.
1: Uh, and I define sacrifice when it comes to transitioning. And a number of things, when we transition, when I transition, my sacrifices, some were big, some were small, some were good, some were bad, some were by choice, others weren't. Um, Some I had to do, others I didn't have to do. In my transition, I have mentioned sacrifices of my collection, which is materialistic, but they still hold a meaning. They not only held a meaning, but they were a part of who I was. A part of myself who I was disfranchised with, yes, but a part of myself that had history. I had to sacrifice uh, my relationship with my sister, or I should more properly say the um, time with my sister. I had to sacrifice my free time so I could work um, a lot more hours than I had to, so I could pay for things. And have a job. I had to sacrifice my free time so I could focus on selling items. Again, all this stuff is good. Some of it's bad. Some of it's, you know, necessary. Some of it's not. Um, I had to sacrifice my leadership role for my league. Um, which, you know, that wasn't that went good because everybody was accepting. Um, had to sacrifice hobbies. I had to sacrifice money to move. I had to sacrifice friends um, because
3: there was no way I could keep them. Each friend is different. I had to sacrifice. uh, Now, some of the stuff I'm okay
1: with sacrificing, male pulverage, that that Mm. would be as I would consider that a sacrifice.
3: Um, Sacrifice of being looked at as quote unquote normal. I, I hate to use that word.
0: Yeah, I don't like using it either. But sometimes it is the best word to get uh, to relate the feeling, relate the situation.
1: Actually, I'm going to rephrase that: a sacrifice being looked at without having to worry about someone else's perception. If that makes any sense.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Um,
1: sacrifice security. I I know. I don't know how many times they look over my shoulder. Um, at night, a sacrifice. Um.
3: Uh,
1: uh, kind of like a calm mind because I have to be cautious, you know, in certain things, and I'm, I'm always
3: thinking. Um. Some sometimes it's, it's um, me overthinking. Um. But but um, but yeah, and you know, I I'm okay with it. So so far, quote unquote, the gain has been worth it but
1: I think that is something that people don't fully understand when it comes to when we transition and my transition has been pretty light my family all have been pretty much supportive but I still had to sacrifice time with them so I could get in a place where I can be myself and progress to my next step
2: right right yeah yeah
1: And I also had to sacrifice opportunities with them because, well, guess what? Family misgenders and they they dead name, which is very frustrating.
0: Yeah, it's very frustrating. And it's also hard for them because from the moment you were born, that's how they've known you.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably in in talking with uh, uh, my trans friends here uh, in San Diego at uh, at functions and pride and discussion groups and social events and things like that. That seems to be the biggest—I uh, don't want to say struggle, but biggest hurdle to to get through and get over. In the fact that, uh, trying to understand why they still dead name, why they still misgender. And it's because for however long, you know, 20, 30, sometimes 40 years, they've been using your birth gender, your birth name. And it's so hard, especially for family, to reprogram that that, uh, thought process. And yes. I, don't think, I don't think a lot of families do it maliciously. I mean, of course, some do because there's always assholes everywhere. But I don't think families, the, the ones that are still wanting to be supportive, still around, still in communication, I don't think they do it intentionally. I think it's totally an accident. But it's, it's an accident that happens because it is such a hurdle to get through.
1: Well, there's a difference between an accident and then correcting yourself and apologizing and doing it and not saying or addressing it.
0: Yeah. The not addressing is the thing I think hurts the most.
1: Yes. Um, which I had to deal with a couple times. times. Um, you know, I deal with it with my grandfather and I deal with it with my mom's boyfriend who, well, let's just put it this way. I don't want him in my life, but that's just a different story for, well, not a different story, but it, that's just a small thing. But, um, and you know, it that, that was something I really didn't understand. Until someone who I looked up to went from and and to clear the air, I'm not talking about you, um, who went to being identified as a trans woman to being gender fluid.
0: There's been a number of people I've I've uh, read about and talked to that that make that step. They uh, they they come out as trans and then they realize, you know what? Not quite. I'm more but, fluid.
1: But. Um, I bring that up because when it was someone who I looked up to because it was someone who was very well-spoken and they'll probably hear this and they know I'm talking about it. But um, it was someone who I looked up to um, and respect. And, and I still do respect them. But when they, I came out as gender fluid, it was very off-putting to me. I still accept them. But it was this weird feeling of them not being who i perceive them to be Mm, um yeah and and i think that happens in family to a larger degree when a parent transitions and i i understand that to a degree i'm not going to sit here and say that i know exactly what that child feels like when a parent transitions but i understand the emotions because i was very off-putted by it And, and but i don't Hold it against them. I still
3: respect them. In fact, I probably respect them more now. But that difference of who you respect is very, very um. I don't know what word to use. Off-putting. It, it's very interesting.
2: Well, I'll, I'll just use that.
0: That's that's a good word as well. I mean, I can I can kind of understand because you know there's this individual that you, uh, uh, got support from and looked up to and admired and felt that you were on the same, uh, long-term path. And then in their journey, their path, they realized that they need to make a different change that was going to be different than your path. And so that changes the, uh, dynamic of that relationship of that, uh, inter- uh, interconnection between you and this this individual, I, I can understand that. I'm I'm sure that w- uh, when I came out as gender fluid on the show, oh, what twenty some odd episodes, maybe more now, ago, uh, that I'm sure there are some listeners that uh, stopped listening because my path wasn't their path anymore. And then I know I picked up some other listeners because I've gotten listener feedback. So it's a it's a weird. It's a weird thing that happens uh, with with within our community. It's very strange to, for me to step back and observe now.
1: And 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 uh, um, to expand on that, I think that it's quite a, a wonderful thing, especially when you have that cross um, journey um, mentorship, if I may use that word. I I'm going to another group right now, and we have a young trans male, a trans man, man attend our group and we have a lot of trans women. However, even though uh, we're not going quote-unquote the same way, I like to think that our experiences can help him on his journey even if he can't relate to maybe the path that we take with our expression, emotions, or a hormonal thing, he could probably still find things that would help him. Absolutely. And And I think that's wonderful. I think that when we find things that we can connect with with others in the community who aren't don't identify the same way that that is wonderful i mean i know someone who is non-binary who i can still relate to even though i'm binary and that sort of um connection is it, it, really wonderful uh, you know what i'm saying
0: yes yes i do that's where we're going to leave it for this week. Amanda, thank you again so very much for being on the show and participating. I really do appreciate it. Folks, she doesn't have a public Twitter or anything like that, but if you want to get in touch with her, send me an email, changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com, and I will make sure she gets your message. there we are, there we are, there we are. There's the closing theme music. Folks, thanks so much for sticking around, especially if this is your first episode. Thank you so much for joining us to listen to Amanda R. I do appreciate it. As I said before, check out one of our regular solo episodes. It's just me and my stream of consciousness, whatever's, uh, and we go over topics and things like that. So check those out. iTunes, Stitcher, Changes in Latitudes podcast at blogspot.com and listen to some of those. But do come back next week because I will have the second part of my conversation with Amanda R. By the way, I am always looking for subjects and topics and people to talk to. So email me, changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to shop through Amazon and do check out our Patreon page. And now, as Jimmy Buffett says, if I couldn't laugh, I just would go insane. If we couldn't laugh, we just would go insane. If we weren't all crazy, we would go insane. So stay crazy, everybody. Take care of yourselves. And then take care of somebody else. I'll see you next week. Listening to Changes in latitudes: a transgender experience. I'd love to hear from you, so let me know what you think or what you'd like to hear about by emailing me at Changes in at gmail.com or by leaving a comment on the Facebook page at facebookcom Changes in Latitudes Podcast or at the website Changes in don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and please leave us reviews and star ratings. Now, wait for it. Here it comes. Disclaimer time! I am not a doctor nor a lawyer, and I certainly do not pretend to be one. I am a trans woman who began her transition later in life. I am here to discuss my life, so I take no responsibility for your decisions based on my personal thoughts and experiences. If you are thinking about transition or are questioning your gender identity, first, please know that you are not alone in your thoughts and questions. Second, please seek the advice of a qualified gender therapist or at the very least a local support group. If you're having difficulty finding a qualified professional in your area, I suggest reaching out to the closest LGBT center near you. And lastly, please remember, always question the source when researching information on the Internet. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permission from the host. Copyright 2016 by me, Charlie Sabrina Miller. Thanks for listening. That's the end of the show.
3: And remember...